The reading is from Genesis 43:15 and on. Just to let you know, verse 26 is a little awkward in the New American Standard, so I'll read the NIV for that verse only. So the men took this present, which was a little balm and a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds, and they took double the money in their hand and Benjamin. Then they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to his house steward, bring the men into the house, slay an animal and make ready for the men are to dine with me at noon. So the man did just as Joseph said and brought the men to Joseph's house. Verse 26, when Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house and they bowed to the ground before him. Genesis 44, 1. Then he commanded this house steward saying, fill the men's sack with food as much as they can carry and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. Put the, my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest and his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph had told him. As soon as it was light, the men were sent away, they with their donkeys. They had just gone out of the city and were not far off when Joseph said to his house steward, get up, follow them. And when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my Lord drinks and which he indeed uses for divination? You have done wrong in doing this. So he overtook them and spoke these words to them. Then they hurried, each man lowered his sack to the ground and each man opened his sack. He searched, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes And when each man loaded his donkey, they returned to the city. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there, and they fell to the ground before him. Then Judah approached him and said, O my Lord, may your servant please speak a word in my Lord's ears, and do not be angry with your servant, for you are equal to Pharaoh. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad, for me to be a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers." For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me, for fear that I see the evil that would overtake my father? Genesis 45. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood before him, and he cried, Have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer, and and he said, I am your brother Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land over two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God, And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. Now you must tell my father of all my splendor in Egypt and all that you have seen. And you must hurry and please bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them, and afterward his brothers talked with him. Blessed be the word of the Lord.
And when we look at the story of Joseph, really it's a story about God. I don't think there's really any better story in the Bible about God's providence, how God works within his creation to bring forward his plan in his way. And last time we, we looked at, Joseph now has been in Egypt for 20 years. And he's been serving the Egyptians. He has been put over the house of Pharaoh. If you remember, the, basically uh, Pharaoh had had two dreams and Joseph interpreted his dreams. And he told the Pharaoh that there would be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And so during that time, he told Pharaoh he should place someone over all the land and Pharaoh placed Joseph over the land. He is second in control of Pharaoh. There's no one more powerful than him. And last time, Pastor Stan taught in chapter 42 and we saw that his brothers had come to Egypt because it's the second year of the famine and they needed grain. And Joseph, he recognized his brothers but they did not recognize him. And he works with his brothers and he provides them with the, brain, the, the grain that they need and they go back to their family in Canaan. And when they arrive back in Canaan, they open up their sacks and they find their money there. And suddenly they're frightened. They can't figure out how their money got back in their sacks and they're afraid when they have to go back to Egypt that that man that they don't know as Joseph is somehow going to be angry with them because their money is there. They're thinking he's probably gonna think that they had stolen their money back. And that ruler also told them that he thought they were spies. And he kept their brother Simeon and he put him as a slave in jail. And he told them that they had to bring back their brother Benjamin with them. Then they run out of food. And now they have to go back to Egypt. And so their father Jacob gives them double the amount of money, puts it in their, their packs, and he sends them back to Egypt. Now Joseph, he has every right to be angry with his brothers. He has every right to take retribution. He has the power to do it. He could put them in jail. He could put them to death if he wanted to. But what we're going to see today is he doesn't do that. Instead, what Joseph does is he offers them forgiveness. A wonderful act of forgiveness. And forgiveness from the heart. And, and what I, I'm hoping that we will see today is that we're going to learn three really important lessons about forgiveness. So what are the lessons about forgiveness that we can learn from Joseph's story? The first one, unforgiveness. It hinders our walk with God. And it produces fear, guilt, and bitterness. Now Joseph's brothers had had a heart of unforgiveness and that unforgiveness started all the way back 20 years ago when Joseph was just 17. In Genesis chapter 37, verse four, it says his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than all his brothers, so they hated him and they would not speak to him on friendly terms. Jacob's father had shown Joseph favoritism. He'd given him this special coat, and the brothers didn't like that. And to make matters worse, Joseph said, hey, I had these two dreams, and by the way, one day you guys are gonna bow down to me. And so the brothers, they really don't like Joseph. And they didn't have a willingness in their hearts to forgive Joseph. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 37, verse eight, it says they hated him even more. And that unforgiving heart, it turned into anger, which then turned into murder. 
And so the brothers were out caring for the sheep and their father said, hey, Joseph, you go see what your brothers are doing and go check on them. Joseph goes out to see what their brothers are doing. As he's a far way off, the brothers see him and they say, hey, look, there's that dreamer. Let's kill him. And when Joseph arrives, they grab him, they strip off that coat and they throw him into a pit. And then a caravan of slave traders comes by. As we know, they sell him to the slave traders and he's taken to Egypt as a slave. All this took place because the brothers would not forgive their father for his favoritism and they would not forgive Joseph because of the dreams that he had. And in Joseph's brothers, we see three negative results that are caused from unforgiveness. The first one is unforgiveness. It can cause fear in the heart. These brothers were full of fear. You see, that unforgiveness caused them to do things that they had deep regret over. And it wasn't only that they feared man, they actually feared God. They feared that God was after them. As a matter of fact, last week when Pastor Stan was teaching in chapter 42, when they opened up their sacks in Canaan and they saw the money, it says that they turned to each other trembling, saying, what is this that God has done to us? Guys, that is a fear of God. They know that what they did to their brother was wrong and they don't have that kind of faith that Joseph has. They have a fear of God that God is after them, that God is going to get them. And today in verse 43 and verse 18, when they arrived into Egypt, it starts out in verse 18, says, now they were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house and they said, it is because of the money that was returned in our sacks the first time that we're to be brought in, that he may seek occasion against us to fall upon us and to take us as slaves with our donkeys. Now it's interesting, that's exactly what they did to him 20 years ago. They sold him as a slave and that same fear is driving him now. They think they're gonna be made slaves there in Egypt as well. These men have been living in fear for two decades, for 20 years, afraid of God, afraid of man. And not only was it fear, also, their unforgiving hearts produced in them guilt, deep-seated guilt. Second, unforgiveness produces a guilty conscience. They were guilty, and they knew it. And their conscience, it plagued them. Now, last week in chapter 42, when Joseph's brothers had arrived in Egypt, Joseph had told them that he thought they were spies and that he, he was going to keep their brother Simeon in prison until they brought back their younger brother Benjamin to prove that they weren't spies. But I want you to hear their response in chapter 42, verses 21 and 22. It says, then the brothers said to one another, truly we are guilty concerning our brother Joseph because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us, yet we would not listen. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. And then Reuben said to them, did I not tell you, do not sin against the boy? And you would not listen. Now comes the reckoning on his blood. Guys, it's 20 years later. They're in Egypt and suddenly something happens and there's this event taking place and they go all the way back and they remember what they did. There's deep-seated guilt in their hearts. That guilt was festering in them. They had been unforgiving to a 17-year-old kid. They'd been unforgiving to their father. 
because he showed favoritism to them. And now this morning, they're in Egypt a second time. And they're brought to Joseph's house. And they're a little bit fearful, but, but Joseph is being very kind to them. As a matter of fact, Joseph actually gets a little emotional. He sees Benjamin, he has to sneak out and he cries. And the next day starts in chapter 44. And the men, they're thinking things are good. I mean, they've got their brother Simeon and they've got their other brother, the younger brother Benjamin with them. Joseph had had his steward fill sacks with grain, but what they don't know is he also put the money back in the sacks and he also put a silver cup in the sack of Benjamin. And he tells his steward, as soon as they leave and they don't get too far, I want you to go get them. And so they leave thinking everything is fine. And then that steward goes out and he stops them. And he tells them that they're robbers, that they've stolen from Joseph's house a silver cup. And they're stunned. I mean, they can't believe it. And they literally say, no, we haven't done that. As a matter of fact, the person who's done that, he should be killed and the rest of us will be your slaves. And they're taken back to Joseph's house. And they found the silver cup. And they're taken back now and they're so fearful. They have this guilty conscience because the silver cup was found in Benjamin. And I want you to hear what Judah said. He says, God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Do you see the guilt in there? He's saying that guilt from way back in is catching up with us right now and that all started from an unforgiving heart. An unwillingness to forgive Joseph as a 17 year old, an unwillingness to forgive their father. That iniquity, that sin had festered and not only that guys, when that kind of unforgiveness remains, it causes bitterness, a deep bitterness of soul. And you see this with the brothers because they were constantly bickering each other, constantly blaming each other for everything that was going on. And the Bible warns us against this. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter four, verses 31 and 32. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you, what Pastor Neil read. Now my father was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, had a very successful career. And he retired after about 30 years in the Air Force and he didn't know what to do with himself when he retired. And my, my dad had been an alcoholic but he was what I'd call a controlled alcoholic. He managed it well. But after he retired, he no longer managed it well and he became a mean drunk. And I remember when I was in third grade, I, I got a bad report card. And my dad told me, I'm gonna give you a spanking tonight. And when I went in to, to get that spanking from my father, he, he laid me over his knees and he started to hit me. And then he started to beat me and he didn't stop. As a matter of fact, my brother Gordon, who was 18 at the time, came in and he rescued me. I still remember it. He literally pulled me away from my dad and stood between us and I was holding on to his legs. I was terrified, terrified. And my dad tried to get up to get me again and my brother pushed him down and said, you'll have to go through me. For two years, my dad was a tyrant. 
He was a broken man. He didn't know what to do. He became just a terrible alcoholic and drunk. And he brutalized us, my whole family. And what that did, it put into me kind of a terror, a fear that kind of rested there deep in me. And then later, as I started to get older, it turned more into like a bitterness and anger. It started to fester, and I really didn't know what to do with that. Not being a Christian, you know, you kind of medicate, that kind of stuff. And it laid kind of dormant. Now, I'm grateful. I actually moved in with my dad when I was 20. He let me live with him for a year, helped me to go to college. And some of that was repaired, but there was always this kind of a wall there, something that we couldn't cross over. I didn't even quite know what it, what it was, but the Lord later showed me. But what we see, guys, is unforgiveness. It, it hinders our walk with God. And it produces fear and guilt and bitterness. Second thing, unforgiveness enables a strong, I mean forgiveness enables a strong walk with God and it blesses others. When we forgive, it enables us now to actually walk with the Lord and not be hindered and actually then to, to bless others. Joseph, he had every right to make these brothers pay, but we won't see that here. Instead, what we see is somebody who has a forgiving spirit, a forgiving heart. Now, I want to read to you verse 5 of chapter 45. He says, do not be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. See, Joseph had been very careful not to make his identity known to the brothers, and I think the reason that he did that is if he did it too soon, he was afraid they might run away and maybe never come back. He'd never get to see his father and his brother Benjamin again. So he was doing these kind of things up front, not showing them or telling them who he was because he was trying to figure out, have these men changed? He remembers who they were. And when the cup was found in Benjamin's sacks, the brothers tore their clothes. And this is interesting because when the brothers brought that torn coat of Joseph to their father 20 years earlier, it was their father that tore their clothes. But now, Scroll forward 20 years, and they realize that they're going to lose their brother Benjamin. All the brothers begin to tear their clothes. Something was happening in them. Those years of pain, those years of torment, the, the fear and the bitterness, all that stuff was changing them. And the writer of the story, who was Moses, he, he wants to set up a tension in the story for the reader. Would the brothers, would they surrender Benjamin and go their way like they had surrendered Joseph. And as a reader, we're to see that tension, but what we'll see, the brothers don't do that here. Instead, they start to plead. They start to plead for Benjamin, and they start to plead that it would hurt their father if they didn't bring this younger son back. There is a change of heart that's taken place in these brothers. Now, three different times, in this section, the brothers bowed down to Joseph. The first time was in chapter 42, verse six. It says that Joseph's brothers came and they bowed down with their faces to the ground. That was the first time they met him. They bowed down in respect. The second time was in chapter 43, verse 28. It says they bowed down in homage. This was in submission to his authority as the ruler. But the third one, it says they fell to the ground before him. Guys, that's utter fear. That's terror. That silver cup had been found in their sacks. 
Now, these three times that they bowed down was Joseph's dream. 20 years earlier, he had told them he had had these dreams that they would be bowing down to him, and that's exactly what we see here. What had happened back then was coming to fruition now. God's vision was coming to life right here before Joseph's eyes. They didn't know it, but Joseph did. He knew that God had called him to this. And when the brothers returned home to meet Joseph, he told them that they were going to keep his brother Benjamin and that they were free to go home. But verse 22 is very telling. Judah responded and said, the lad cannot leave his father or his father will die. Now that's interesting because 20 years earlier, they didn't care what the father thought. They brought that torn coat, they smeared it with blood and they didn't care that he grieved, but now they care. And they're also fighting for the favored son, which is Benjamin now. These men are different. The years have changed them. And I think Joseph sees that. And although Joseph could have made them pay, he never did that. Why, why didn't he do it? Because Joseph had a forgiving heart. And he was sensitive to God's spirit. And he understood that it was God in his life. And he understood his own sin before a holy God. And if God could forgive him, how could he not forgive those who had offended him? As this reminds me of when Peter, the apostle, came to Jesus. And Peter comes to Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. And he says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Now, Peter's being kind of proud there. He's saying, Lord, if I come and I forgive somebody seven times, you know, that's, that's really a forgiving person, right? And Jesus flips it on him. And Jesus says to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. What Jesus is saying is that it's infinite. Since God is forgiving you so much, how can you not forgive someone else? And then to illustrate that, Jesus goes on and shares a parable, starting in Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. And he says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now understand, this man is brought to him and he owes him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents in today's money, guys, is billions of dollars. It's an insurmountable amount incalculable. There is no way this man could ever pay this debt. And so the man literally falls down before the king and he begs and he pleads for mercy. Please forgive me. And the king does. He shows him mercy. Now when you've been forgiven that much, something that you can't even fathom how much, how could you not then forgive someone who owes you so much less? And so Jesus goes on in the parable, and this same man who'd just been forgiven, he goes out and he finds out and he finds another slave who only owes him a hundred denarii. Now a hundred denarii, that's like three months' wages. Nothing in comparison. And that man, he grabs that slave by the neck and he says, you pay me back every cent. And that man falls to the ground and he begs for mercy. But he doesn't show him mercy. He has him thrown into prison. Well, there were some bystanders that saw that and they go tell the king. And that man is brought before the king. And when he's brought before the king, the king pronounced judgment for his cruelty and unforgiveness. And he hands him over to the torturers. That's a picture of hell. 
And by the way, the king is a picture of God. And then Jesus ends that parable with this. Matthew 18, 35, he says, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. Guys, the gospel message is such an incredible message. You and I have, forgive, have offended a holy God. Our sin is so great We cannot fathom how bad it is in comparison to the perfect all-holy God. And yet God, through Jesus Christ, has offered complete forgiveness to us. And how could we not forgive someone who has offended us? As a matter of fact, God expects his servants to forgive in the same way that he forgives. And if we are unwilling to forgive someone, then we have to answer two questions. The first one is, do you understand what God has done for you in Jesus Christ and the debt that he has paid? Do you understand the immensity of your own sin? And second thing, our forgiveness of others, our unforgiveness of others, it could be evidence that we do not know the Lord at all. Only you can answer that. But Joseph's life story here is a shadowing a foreshadowing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because by human standards, Joseph should have took action on his brothers. He should have put them in jail. He should have kept them there for life, but instead he offers them forgiveness. And then he provides for their families and he cares for them. And he says to them in verse five that God has sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph calls his brothers closer to him. Now understand, unforgiveness pushes away. Forgiveness draws people closer, and Joseph calls them closer. And what you see here is a forgiving heart. What you see here is they had a great debt against him. For almost 20 years he has suffered, but now he is forgiving them. That's because Joseph trusted God, and he understood the providence of God, and he understood that God was working within the midst And how could he not forgive them since God had been so kind to him? As I received Jesus Christ in 1981, I was 30 years old when I received Christ. And it's interesting when when you're walking with the Lord, the Lord begins to work in your life in some ways, in ways that maybe you don't even understand what he's doing. I remember there was one morning, and I'm not sure what passage I was reading, but it might have been Matthew 18. And the Lord suddenly revealed to me that I had unforgiveness against my father. Now, my dad and I, had we'd gotten along pretty good over the years. I mean, I'd, when I was 20, I lived with him for a year, and I, and I kind of didn't realize, but there had always been kind of this deep-seated kind of stuff in me that was kind of undealt with, and it was kind of really down deep. And that morning, God began to work on my heart. And he began to press me. You need to forgive him fully for what he's done to you. And that morning before the throne of God, I I gave my heart over to Christ and said, Lord, I forgive my father of all the offenses that he's done to me, the cheating on my mother, the beatings that I took, the beatings that my brothers and sister took. And I forgive him fully in my heart. And then the Lord said one other thing. He says, and then I want you to go to him. And I want you to tell him, that took me two more years. 
I'll talk about that in a moment. (laughs) Unforgiveness hinders our walk with God and produces fear, guilt, and bitterness. Forgiveness enables a strong walk with God and it blesses others. But the last one is forgiveness enables healing and reconciliation. Now, Joseph's family was really a dysfunctional family. But Joseph's forgiving act towards his brothers, it actually brought healing. It, it brought reconciliation back to the family. When we look at the story of Joseph's family being reconciled, it's a story of a, of a broken relationship healed. In verse five, we see that God, it says that God sent me before you to preserve life. In verse seven, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant. In verse eight, it says that it was not you who sent me here, but God. And in verse nine, God has made me Lord over all of Egypt. You see, Joseph fully understood that it was God's work. And because he understood that it was God's work in his life, he was able to take that step of faith. And Joseph's example here, forgiveness towards his brother, it mirrors the gospel story of God's forgiveness towards us in Jesus Christ. Joseph knew it was God's work in his life and he enabled him to forgive. And the same thing happens for you and I. And forgiving people that have harmed you, particularly those that have really harmed you deeply, this is one of the toughest things that we can do in life, let alone in the Christian life. But this is what God calls us to do. Guys, and when the gospel of Jesus Christ, when it takes root in you, it begins to work itself out through us. And particularly in this area of forgiveness, that gospel truth needs to work itself out through us. So how does the gospel move us towards forgiveness? Well, the first thing we need to understand about the gospel is that the gospel begins with God's movement towards us. We are sinners before a holy God. And there is nothing that we can do to reconcile ourselves towards God. And so what did God do? He moved towards us in Jesus Christ. He moved. He came to us. He made the offer freely of his son, an incalculable price. And our sin was so great. As a matter of fact, Romans 5.8 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God makes the first move. But then reconciliation doesn't take place because God requires repentance and faith. That must take place too. Reconciliation is not complete until we receive forgiveness by faith. Scripture gives all the credit, all the glory to God for our salvation. And it is a move of his spirit that enables us to move towards him at all. But our response of repentance and faith is absolutely necessary. When he moves towards us with the offer of forgiveness in Christ, we must then respond and repent of our sin and respond in faith. So what does it look like for us to forgive others? This is what the Bible commands. Pastor Neil said, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you. The scripture assumes that we will be forgiving towards others. When you look throughout the scriptures, when it looks and it talks about God's people, it tells us to mirror the way God has forgiven us. As God's people, like our Heavenly Father, 
We are to take the first step towards others and offer forgiveness. When we have been offended, this great offense, no matter what the offense is, we are then to move towards them and offer them forgiveness. But guys, reconciliation doesn't happen until they repent. Dale Allender, he's a Christian author, he said this, he said, forgiveness involves a heart that cancels the debt but does not lend new money until repentance occurs. So we're to take the initiative, but they then, to have reconciliation happen, they then need to also repent. Guys, and our work is not done until we have forgiven someone from our heart. We have to start there. But it doesn't end there. We are then to move past that and or move towards them with the olive branch, with the offer of forgiveness. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, it doesn't just show us how to forgive, but it also empowers us to forgive. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave is the same power that God has given us in the work of the Holy Spirit. And that very truth that saved us also enables us to go in and forgive a person, but also to offer that forgiveness to them as well. Now, if you're in your heart saying there is no way I will ever, could I ever forgive that person, that means you have a very small understanding of the gospel and a small understanding of the cross of Christ and a very small understanding of how great your sin is before an all-holy God. But once you realize how great your sin is, just like that man that had 10,000 talents and how much God has forgiven you, how can you not Offer forgiveness to those who have harmed you. See, Joseph had this understanding. And he is a picture of that. Just as God has forgiven us, Joseph, he was the offended one. For 20 years he has suffered in Egypt. He took all the hits and yet he offered forgiveness freely to his brothers. Now, now forgiveness is costly. It's costly. It means you cancel a debt that you are owed but you willingly do that because you understand that God has canceled that debt on your behalf. And although Joseph did not know Jesus Christ, he knew that a Messiah was coming. And he understood that Messiah, he would right all wrongs. And by faith and by trust, he forgave. And he moved towards his brothers. As a matter of fact, in verse 15, it says he fell upon them and wept. It's an evidence of reconciliation. You know, I read a story this past week that illustrates forgiveness and reconciliation. The writer's name is Shannon Etheridge. She's a Christian writer, and she told a story that when she was 16 that she learned the lesson, a beautiful lesson of, of, of forgiveness, reconciliation, and the love of God. When she was just 16, she had just gotten her license, and she was driving on a country road, but she wasn't paying attention and she didn't see this woman who was riding her bike on the side of the road and she hit her and she ran over her. And that woman, her name was Marjorie Jusfar. And Marjorie died. And Shannon went into a deep depression. As a matter of fact, the law was actually after her trying to try her as an adult. But she received forgiveness from one person, Marjorie's husband, Gary. Gary forgave her because he was a Christian man. And he went to her as a 16-year-old and he told his attorney to drop all charges. And then he said to her, 
He told her, you can't let this ruin your life. God wants to strengthen you through this. In fact, I'm passing Marjorie's legacy to you. He says, I forgive you as Christ has forgiven me. And now you live for Christ as my wife lived for Christ. And that example of forgiveness and love is what spurred her on to come to know Jesus Christ herself. The Lord pressed me, guys, that morning before him when it came to forgiving my dad. You know, it's one, one thing to, to say I forgive somebody in the privacy of your own prayer closet, but it's another thing to then go to that person that has hurt you and hurt you deeply and to tell them I forgive you for the offense that I've had. And I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I, I realize what you've done and, and I want you to know that I forgive you and that I love you. And the only reason I can do this is because of my love for Jesus. And guys, it opened up a door for my dad and I. And we had one of the most honest conversations that I've ever had and we cried and we dealt with stuff, man, from way back. My dad had some unbelievably deep regrets. And there was a healing that took place a reconciliation, a brokenness that had been broken and I'm so glad that the Lord helped me to do that and gave me the strength to do it. It wasn't me, but in Christ, all things are possible. Matter of fact, I wanna end it with a verse. Second Corinthians chapter five nineteen says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and he is committed to us the word of reconciliation. I believe Joseph understood this principle, that concept that we now have the word of reconciliation. Because that word is the gospel. Because you have Jesus Christ, you have the ability to forgive. The same gospel that has saved you is the same gospel that empowers you. And that truth healed that relationship between my dad and myself and that truth is because I have been healed by the blood of Christ. And he will do the same to you as well. Now I'd like to have the, the choir come on up if they could. And while they're coming up, I'd like us to just take a moment, guys. I believe that there are probably a few people here this morning that you have unforgiveness in your hearts. That there's something there that hasn't been dealt with. And what I'd like to do this morning, as they're just getting set up and getting ready to sing, I'd like us to, to bow our heads a moment. As a church, I'd like us to bow before God. I'd like us to close our eyes. And I want you to picture in your mind's eye, in your heart, is there anyone in your life who's offended you? and they've really hurt you. And there's a bitterness in there that has not truly been dealt with before the Lord. And I'd like you to bring it before the throne of God this morning. And I wanna say a prayer for you. Father, I ask your grace for each person here this morning. And I ask your help, Lord. And Lord, we recognize what you have done for us in Christ and the kindness and the goodness that you've shown us. And Lord, we ask for the work of your Holy Spirit to free us from this bitterness and guilt and this fear. And that Lord, you could bring reconciliation. 
and then you could bring healing. We confess that we're sinners before a holy God, but we know that you have forgiven us so much. Now we pray that you will help us to forgive as well. In Jesus' name, amen. The life of Christ, living water in your life, he comes to literally bring wholeness back. And I know that there have been broken relationships in your life, things that maybe have not been dealt with and unforgiveness has kind of sat there. And my prayer is that today you found some freedom 